Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Hunt Closet. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life on closet. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So it's going to come as no surprise to those of you who listen to the Life Uncloseted podcast, yes, all of you that are in my family here, that many of us have felt constrained. We've felt that thing from being who we're meant to be and our ability to grow personally into who we are and find peace in our lives and sometimes even align with our most authentic self because, well, religion and belief systems get laid onto us. And then suddenly before we know it, we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in this cult and I can't move forward in this cultish space in our own heads too, because we bought into so many different things. But what happens when you break into the transformative power and you truly transform yourself into realizing you can be a person of self-love, in harmony with who you truly are and getting to your truest self. It's a journey that anyone anywhere can you know, endure, but in the LGBTQ space, all of us that play in that world of being queer, it's one of the things we struggle with the most. And today I'm so excited to have this guy on my podcast. We've known each other now a couple of years and he has just been a beacon of light in every space of my life that he shows up. And I thought, well, if he's going to be a beacon of light here, he might as well be a beacon of light on the podcast too. So I want to welcome my buddy, Victor, to the podcast. And he's an amazing guy who, he does hospice work as a pastor. He's done Fortune 100 corporate work. And he's an entrepreneur, real estate guy. And he's also working on becoming an amazing coach. And um, can't wait for him to hit the hit the world with what he's bringing new into his lives, but I'm going to let him hit you in my world right now. So welcome to the podcast, buddy. So glad to have you here. Rick, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm so grateful to guest with you. What an honor and gift you bring to this world. The work you do for the LGBTQ community is inspiring. The hard work you do to produce Life Uncloseted, uh, Real Man, Real Talk, Gay Men Over 40, showing up every month in your monthly gay Zoom chats and let me tell you, Rick, every single one of these have had a profound impact in my life. And mm. you're just a light and a blessing to me. So thank you. Well, I'm a light because I haven't got much sun yet this summer. So I'm still just a pasty white boy, you know, but um, well, not a boy, we, I'm a pasty white old man at this point. But, um, we won't hold that against you. Rick. I agree that you have been as much of a light as you just and thank you for that acknowledgement. And this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because your journey, your story, where you've come from and, and the spaces that you, you know, when we first met, we were, I was kind of hovering around, like, you know, when you, we were meeting each other in another professional space, I was like, I'm not sure what this guy's going to be talking about. And then it slowly started. And I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And that's when, you know, the first idea of me having you on the podcast. So let's kind of step into like this journey of you finding your freedom. Um, He's a, he's a young one. He's only been doing this for 40 freaking years. I'm like, dang, I've been doing it almost 60 now. But um, let's kind of start with like, you know, when did this start to feel like 
I need to, I need to like find myself. When did you first start feeling those emotions in that sense? Yeah. So I grew up in the word of faith movement from the time that I was three, since the calling of ministry at the age of 12, uh, went to Bible college after two semesters at the public university. And it was around the time that I met you, Rick, that I had moved back from the Midwest. I had, um, been in the Midwest for uh, just maybe 15, 16 years. And in 2017, I moved back to my origins in the Southwest. And at that time, I was a young 45. And I knew that I was coming back home to my, to my roots uh, to have an intentional come to Jesus meeting with God themselves. Mm-hmm. I was raw. I was honest with them. And I told them that I could no longer live separated from myself. And that began my journey of studying the Bible for myself and expect, expanding my circle of influence. And that, that raw, honest conversation, not only with yourself, but with others, and then even with God, it had to be a little petrifying in some ways. You know, I, so I have, have mostly lived a closeted life. Mm-hmm. Um, be, being a civic community activist, being a public persona in a small town, um, literally pastoring probably the largest church in a very small town through my corporate chaplaincy. It was easy for me to be closeted. And most people just assumed uh, for the most part, that either I was straight or just this good Christian guy who was actually living the life. But internally, um, I had been in knots since I was three or four. Mm. Um, and when I came back home um, where nobody was here, I was, I, was, I was living here with my nephew. It was just us two. Decided to go back to church at my um, mega church. Um, 20,000 plus membership, where again, I could be nobody. Um, And I began to just open myself to what did God say about this? And the fact that no matter how many times I prayed, there was no relief, Rick. And when I came into the ancient text of Genesis 3.11, and it quotes the creator speaking to the first man and the first woman, and he says, who told you you were naked? And the question I heard to me, Rick, was who told you you needed to change who we created you to be? And that launched me into a whole new dynamic. I was listening to a a wife of a Southern megachurch pastor who preaches the status quo religious fallacies about gays. And in an Instagram post, she was speaking to the amazing creative ability that God has and operates from. And she was talking about 330 different species, Rick, that hummingbirds have. 330 different species of hummingbirds, Hmm. all of which live in the Western uh, hemisphere. And I understood her subtle context in her attempt, in her Southern way, out of respect as a good pastor's wife, to start questioning is it not possible for God to have created humans in a vast spectrum Mm. that we give God credit for? You know, Rick, as an avid listener of your shows, I've heard you talk about this with other guests in many other episodes, and you've said it a million times uh, that we're told that we're created, that we're, we're abominations, which literally means vile. 
And yet the answer to that is we're told to deny the very created being God made us in spirit, soul, and body. And through these horrific religious beliefs, we're conditioned from childhood that our very nature is inherently abhorrent to God. Yep. Yep. And so when we read and hear comments from self-identified Christians who speak and spew hate, as gay people and as a gay community, our response would best serve humanity to step back and see them through the eyes of love and compassion that they preach and see them that they are conditioned haters. The author Jay Shetty in Think Like a Monk says that these, and, and you alluded to this at the start of the show, these societal, parental, religious conditionings, they're called sams, samskaras in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. yep. Therefore, hate for self and hate for others is a learned trait. But yep. the good news, Rick, is that it can be unlearned, as you and I both have lived through and done yep. the work. Uh, therefore, hate, whether for self or others, um, we need to come back to the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr. And when the inflicted, the tormented, and the persecuted respond with love and our godly fight against racism and against Black people, if we can see that God is still very much present, which, by the way, that racism and that hate for the yeah. other was rooted in misinterpretation from Scripture. Right. Think about the, 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 the slavery scriptures that were used uh, and, and even dating back to the uh, cursed generation of Cain and assuming that that was the black population of the world. There's so much assumptions that get made, yet I find it interesting that people who say, well, read the scripture, read the scripture. It takes a whole lot more than read the scripture. It's like read and explore and try to understand the scripture and dive into what was really being said in that moment in time that the scripture was being put together. And to admit that the scripture has been adapted and adapted and adapted and adapted. And so there's, I hate to say it, there's lots of lost in translation going on here. Now, I will also say, do we actually really know? This is what faith is all about, right? So I tend to want to live in a space of faith that, I'm good just the way I am. I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I'm not going to say I'm not a sinner. I'm not going to say any of that. But I kind of believe I'm good because I couldn't be doing what I do and show up in the world the way I want to if, you know, God didn't make me the way he thought I should be. And so it's a wow. really one of those, it's one of those dilemmas that we find ourselves in as human beings. Because then somebody will say, well, okay, so what about, what about the person who murders someone? And I used to have a real struggle with this, Victor, and I feel like this is something that you can really comment on. Here's why I struggled with it. Sitting in, the, in a hotel room or a hotel meeting room, going through my coach training. And coach training is a very deep thing. And one of the questions that got posed by my trainer was, so let's talk about these more you know, spiritual, esoteric questions of life. Is somebody who murders somebody wrong? Now, of course, the first response, most people are going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, right? And then she said, but what if that person was doing the best that they could do mm. in the moment mm. that they did it? Wow. Now, that's a big concept to wrap our little tiny human pea brain heads around, right? But as I listened to it, and now the big E words thrown around like crazy, like empathy and all this sort of stuff. I think that was the first moment I really understood the word of empathy. Didn't say mm. I condoned it. Didn't say I accepted that somebody did that. But if each one of us is doing the best that we can in the moment we've been given, mm. 
it's kind of a different conversation. I felt chilled in that, Rick. That's liberating in and of itself because I am still, as as maybe you are, walking through the healing process, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, what the and and this is life uncloseted. So the shit that we've had to go through mm-hmm. uh, and to navigate our way. But if you would allow me to uh, maybe put the pastoral hat on, um, and maybe I can take this party to church, to the wake, and back to your party here, right, right, um, and touch and touch touch on some of the things that you just said. But a major tenet of evangelical mainstream megachurches is the Bible is the final authority to man. Again, biblical literas, literalism, um, as it is written in the English language, and then as interpreted, uh, and if we leave out race by mostly white men, right, um, and many of which have no formal education, and if they do have seminary education, it's regurgitating these fallacies, something that I was very much guilty of. Mm-hmm. And so despite the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, in the, in the love chapter uh, 13, verse 12, he says, we don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. Another translation says that we see through a glass darkly. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We will all see it then, see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. Another text says that we prophesy in part and we know in part. So Paul himself is telling us, not any man, and you said that so beautifully, none, not one of us is perfect. We are all imperfect. And therefore, how can we say my interpretation of this ancient text, as you said, um, I mean, Jesus was more than 2,000 years ago, and he spoke Aramaic. And so we're mm-hmm. translating, and, 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 our, and our translation is getting better every year. And so no one man has all the truth or all the answers with any definitive clarity, as Paul right. just said. But so, yeah, that's part of what the problem is, is people think they have the definitive truth. And I was raised in a, in a church very similar. I mean, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And, and I remember as a young, young kid into my teens being told, we're the chosen, we're the chosen. I'm like, well, how can we be the chosen if the Catholic thinks they're the chosen, the evangelicals think they're the chosen, and the Jews think they're so I'm like, somebody, somebody's fucked up somewhere. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, but yet there's the universal truth is we all want to be the chosen, right? Mm. And so I think it's really interesting because one of the things that you shared with me over the years and then just in preparation even for this conversation was this, chosen peace is beautiful in that part of becoming a chosen is i believe what you call coming into you instead of coming out it's coming into and i love that you shared that because when we can take our religious peace and take it into us versus have to come out and say here's who we are and this is how we show up and this is what we're supposed to do to me it's a it's a game changer it's like, bring it into your soul, bring it into your heart. I remember, and it's in my book, and I don't want to elaborate a whole lot on it, but I remember being on a beach, screaming at God and saying, okay, prove to me. Yeah. I challenged him. Prove to me. Yeah. And he did. Right. But boy, that was kind of a stupid thing for me to do. Like, okay, you're, you know what? You make me better. But I was 
in my own way, inviting him to bring in the beliefs into me. Yeah. Versus here's what I, here's what I believe. Here's what I say, you know? So out of curiosity, was that before your corporate world and your friends helping you come out and come into yourself? Mm -hmm. That was was actually after it was after I had barely come out and I was struggling because, you know, going through divorce and, you know, learning to be a single dad and then trying to find a man, you know, because it's all about finding the man. Right. Right. Um, and it was just one of those nights that it was just it was it sucked. And and, and now and it, so this is why I was so excited about what you shared with me coming into this, because I was coming into me. Mm. I was inviting myself to step into a way of being me where I honored myself as a creation, but also honored how I, I see God and spirituality. Right. And I'd been exploring that since I was, you know, 14. And especially when I got into college, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to go explore a lot of churches, a lot of faiths, all this sort of stuff to the chagrin of many people in my family. Right. But I think this is what happens when we say, this is the only way it is. And what you're basically saying to your point about the, all the species of the world and everything, it's like, no, your species doesn't No, it does not matter like you're supposed to suddenly tell a hummingbird species no you're not the right species so you have to be this species it isn't going to happen it's not going to happen right and so for you when you kind of landed on this whole concept victor of your own shift in language of instead of coming out coming into what was kind of the driver in that in that realization because i feel like there's a story behind that yeah, so I, I appreciate that. I think it's a reframing. Um, and the thought process that as gay men and women, as queer people, that we shouldn't have to come out. Why can't we? And you've said this many times. And, 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 and a lot of what you preach, your, your liberty that you preach to people, and I love the way you take that, that there's no right way of coming out um people have the freedom and 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 so we i think as as a community we we've stepped away from forcing people to come out um as well intentioned as it is and there is there is a lot of good that comes from coming out um but i but i think that the the first step is coming into at least for me it was self-acceptance and then god acceptance uh, for whatever reason, that's how my brain processes it, is that, dude, you're gay. Like, there is no yep. if, and, or but about this. And so then reconciling that with what I felt the pressure of having to come out. And mm. I've always thought, you know, and, and you've talked about this, when, when you just show up to a, a workplace dinner with your boyfriend, and, you know, then it's, Oh, this is my boyfriend, right? Like, right. And, and you've talked about this on how you show up with your husband, or in conversation, you may just casually mention your husband. Right. Um, we don't have to hide. We don't have to deny. Um, I think in my lifetime, only two people. So I, I'll be turning forty-nine in July, uh, or will have turned forty-nine in July. But two people in my life have ever asked me if I was gay. Wow. Um, First person, I said, does it matter? And she said, no. And that was the end of the conversation. Wasn't dating anybody. 
wasn't uh, pretending to, to not be. I wasn't hiding anything. Um, but at the time, Rick, I was, I was a corporate chaplain where I could technically be fired, uh, mm. even in the corporate world. Yeah. Um, so there were real implications that people don't understand um, that we as gay people have to go through. Uh, so why yes. do you, you just brought something up that's interesting, though. Why do you feel like people feel it's important to know that answer to that question? I think it's twofold. I think with allies and with um, within our own community, there's the idea that if you're not coming out, then you're embarrassed of who you are. There's assumptions that you're not proud. Um, right. There, there's assumptions. There's, there's um, subconscious bias mm. that you're hiding or that you're li- living a double life um, when that may not be the case. Um, but for me, reframing coming out to coming into um, and, and listening to your shows, listening to your coaching of how to come out or different ways to come out. Um, and for me, it's just happened naturally, um, Rick. My brother, um, who, God bless him, he owned his sexuality when he was 17. And he, he knew that he knew. Um, and he may not have or had the wherewithal of scripture, but he knew that he was gay. And he stood in his gayness. And this, this was in the late 80s. Um, and, and as many gay people before us, dating back to the 1800s, who just knew they were gay and lived their gay lives in a very private, um, unassuming manner, but didn't hide it. I mean, they showed up to life uh, with their, their partners, with their boyfriends, with dates, and they just live life. And so for me, I was always irked by the fact that gay people had to come out and then continually to have to come out and then be subject to the abuse and the religiosity and the hatred, because you know that you're going to be confronted with that. And so for me, um, I was very careful with who I was going to come out to and when, because I didn't want to put up with that negative energy. I have lived with negative energy all my life. And I just didn't feel that I needed to have a public declaration of saying, hey, I'm gay and nothing's changed in my life because I'm not dating. Even to this to this moment, I've not dated anybody. In fact, I also go ahead. I was just going to say my first gay bar experience was last summer. I think it's interesting that you share that perspective because I've always I've always held the space where if coming out and being out works for you. Great. If not, that can work for you too. Just realize wherever you land is where you land. The only people that are going to have a problem with it is the people that have a problem with it. Right. And if they're the people who have a problem with it, then they probably don't deserve to be in your world. Cause I've had, I've had many, many clients who uh, current clients right now who are out in certain spaces and then not out in other spaces. Right. And I don't see that as, oh, and I, yes, in our community, and I love our community. I want everybody to be clear on that. But sometimes when we take the line of you're just not gay enough, or you're not queer enough, or you're not out enough, I'm going to invite each and every one of you to remember when you were hiding in the closet, yeah. right? Your feelings. 
you know, and especially in these charged days and times we seem to be living in right now where we don't know. I mean, I think we got a good idea where they're trying to go with all this rhetoric that's happening right now, but it's not that far removed that we may have people already starting to go back in the closet. Now, here's what I've noticed is I think there's even more that are starting to like, screw this, I'm coming out because I'm going to be part of this and it's going to show, you know. So it's this interesting balance I see where we're kind of playing in as LGBTQ plus people. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be a, like a, a full-on advocate, go fight. You can fight and be how you want to be in this in this space. Right. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't be doing podcast. None of this has to happen. You don't have to be standing on the front lines if you don't want to. What I'm saying is be how you best need to be for how you want to live and be in your world. And even in our own community, let that be good enough. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, for me, it allowed that crucial step of achieving wholeness, self-acceptance, authenticity, working that entire into my entire being Mm -hmm. by challenging the conventional narratives. And, And you brought up a very good point. You know, when we embrace that more empowering perspective, we're coming into a time where you came out of the closet at a young age, but then went back in because of the biblical pushback, right? Yep. And, and now it's depending on where we live. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people are, are leaving the state of Florida. People are LGBTQ people are leaving the state of Texas. And so we're, we're, we're in this unique moment of time where we're, taking a step back politically and, and even to the safety uh, fights that we thought we had already won. Um, people from your generation, uh, not yep. that you're much older and I'm not knocking your age, uh, but giving credit to um, the lives uh, lived and the fight they had to fight. And so with that, we, we, have, to, we have to be able to come out safely and what, with all that negative energy that we've lived, why would we want to have that negative energy conversation? If I know that my mom is not going to have a positive conversation with me just coming out, then why have it? I'm just going to show up with my boyfriend one day and be like, hey, hmm. this is so-and-so. Uh, would you like to meet him? Yep. And but so I, I don't ha- I just don't feel like I have to have that conversation. So mostly I've come out, but I still have a few people that I just, well, but the thing is that the beauty I believe, and if we go back into, so I'm going to go back a little bit into some biblical stuff and I can't quote the scriptures quite like you do, but I know there's a space in the Bible where it talks about being given the freedom of choice. And if I choose to be fully who I am, then I'm choosing to be fully who I am. If that doesn't work for you, who finds me being fully who I am, an annoyance to you and a threat. And, and I mean, honestly, I I dissect this all the time. So much of the, the threat that I feel like many religious people of faith is that somehow by endorsing who we are, they're going to lose their, their hall pass to heaven. Yeah, And I'm like, what a misguided conception. I don't think anybody said if you allow such and so to be gay or you allow this to happen, you're 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 causing yourself one less like point for, you know, your trip into the Golden Gate, so to speak. But yet, because so many of those faiths are rooted in fear and not in love and trust and true faith, 
I think this is where things get a lot of times off the rails. And then here we are and seeing what we see a lot right now going on. Wow. Rick, uh, preach brother, because man, I, I finally figured out that you can't read the Bible. It's not a best practice to read the Bible from Genesis to revelation. Um, I've learned that through, you know, Stephen Covey, a Mormon taught us to begin with the end in mind. Uh, having, having studied under progressive Christian theologians and thought leaders, even through the work of our mutual friend, and maybe one of your most cited authors on your show, Kobe Martin, Mm -hmm. author of Unclobber, uh, you have a greater success in understanding the sacred text. If that's important to you, and also in reframing that we were taught specifically as gay men and women, that the sacred text says who God is and what our relationship is. And you're absolutely right. There is free will. Jesus didn't come to conquer everybody. It was a free will. I mean, the church preaches a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if that's your path, right? Right. Uh, But if you read the Old Testament, mostly for what it was, a specific set of instructions for the nation of Israel, and then even like the book of Leviticus is even more narrowly written to the priestly tribe of Levi, which has nothing to do with us and even as gay people. But beginning with the end in mind, you're best served to read the New Testament first and then to go and read the Old Testament from a perspective of love, from love themselves. And I say God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? Let us make man in our image. And if you take it through the teachings of Jesus found in the New Testament, specifically the Sermon of the Mount and the Beatitudes, I highly recommend your listeners who still struggle with reconciling their faith or religion to their sexuality to watch the mini series and, and, and you use the word, the chosen. So this mini series is titled the chosen. I think it's a most beautiful and accurate portrayal of the life of Jesus there is to date. And it can be watched by downloading the chosen app for free. And if you're so inclined, um, there's another documentary that you're going to have to do some research on, but it's called 1946 uh, at 1946themovie.com. It chronicles the discovery of never before seeing archives at Yale University, Rick. It unveils astonishing new revelations and it casts significant doubt on any biblical basis for LGBTQIA prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sharon Rocky Rogio, she goes head to toe with her dad who still holds that she's a sinner and dying and going to hell. Um, while other documentaries have been successful in their attempt to treat the symptom of homophobia in the church, Yep. 1946 is working to diagnose and treat that disease. Um, so just just some some tools for, for it. your listeners who may need some resources. But there's more to this story than just you're like, okay, I found my way through and here's where I'm going and here's how I'm going to show up. You had a, some pretty compelling experiences with a couple of people as a chaplain and end of life chaplain that kind of influenced how you went yeah so that's worth sharing i i appreciate that this was when i was a end of life chaplain and amazing um how i ended up in in this situation and it was at the same time that i had just come out to myself and i was still working through coming out to very select few people I showed up at and and for the for for the sake of privacy, I'll I'll change their names, and so we'll refer to the, my first story as Andrea. Um, she was probably in her seventies, early seventies, Rick, 
and um, she was afraid to die. And she kept introducing her roommate, her 44-year roommate, um, who was a person of color. So uh, Andrea was white, and her roommate of 44 years uh, was black or is black. And um, it wasn't hard to put two and two together, Rick. You don't have a roommate for 44 years, and you don't help raise her daughter, and her daughter doesn't call you mom. And um, when I was visiting with Andrea, I said, are you afraid to die because you're gay? She said, you figured that out, huh? I said, yeah. And, I, and she was, so she came from a Catholic background, Rick. And we, we did some hard work together um, prior to her dying. Um, and allowing, and, and, and the sadness, Rick, the heartbreak of people having the fear to die because they think they're going to hell because of who they were. Faithful, Rick, for 44 years. That's her huge. daughter, her, her, her daughter, who she raised, who wasn't her blood and flesh, grieved her death as if she had lost a mom. Hmm. I mean, she was closer to Andrea than she was to the woman who gave birth to her. Um, and there was another gentleman who really didn't want to talk religion ever, didn't want to be prayed for. He occasionally watched some easy to listen to ministries on TV, didn't have any family, never married. And I asked his foster care home parent, uh, the person who was caring for him, he had nobody in this world except this, this foster home where he lived, private home that takes care of people. And I said to her, I said, is he gay? She said, well, he uses our Netflix account. And I can tell you, yeah, he probably is. <laughs> and so I know oh, the dreaded Netflix, hist Netflix <laughs> history, right? History, right? Kind of like but your history on your computer. It's just about as bad. So there you go. I, I respected his wishes, Rick. We never talked. But when he became... Um, to the point where he could no longer speak and he was bedridden. Mm. He could still hear me and he could blink his eyes. And I knew because of, of the doctor and the nurse were saying his days were, were numbered. Um, and I will call him Ken. I said, Ken, I said, I know you, you can't answer back. And I know you didn't want to talk about this, but I want to apologize to you on behalf of the church. And I want to apologize to you on behalf of every Christian who ever told you the lie that you were, going to hell for who you were. Rick, he let out the loudest gasp and wail and mm. tears started rolling from his eyes. And I told him that he was loved and accepted by his creator and that he could die in peace knowing that he was going to go to heaven. Um, I don't remember the exact details, Rick, but I know it was within 24 to 48 hours that he passed. Wow. What a moving thing. Plus it's a, an example of truly embracing and accepting yourself even if it's at those last moments of life and being at peace with who you are and i think a lot of what's behind this podcast is getting to that point sooner rather than later and a lot of people don't but it takes a lot of hero within to make it happen and i know you've been working really hard to bring your your other new piece of your life to life, so to speak, being a heroic performance coach. So before we wrap it all up here, talk a little bit about what you're doing in that space and how from everything you've done 
as a chaplain and the things you've learned and theology and everything, you're bringing that full circle to really help people like find that, that victory and that courage and everything to move forward into being their authentic self with your coaching. You're amazing, man. Uh, love you so much. Thank you for that opportunity. So uh, part of my doing the work was, was like you going through a coaching program. And as you and me know, we become client zero. We, we, we gotta, we gotta coach ourselves, yep. right? We gotta be coached. We gotta, we gotta deal with our past. Um, and so it's, it's about embracing one's heroic self, the, doing the heroic journey, taking that time, um, doing the courageous work, being authentic and having an empowered version of oneself. I think you have seen the change in me from the time you first met me to where I am today. And when we focus, and, and I mean, you know, gosh, Rick, seeing you and, and I celebrate the work you've done in your physical temple and getting healthy, but by focusing on energy, work, and love, we can unlock our, our true potential. When we tap into activating our heroic best selves, and we um, hope to help people navigate through life's challenge with grace and resilience. Um, the idea is to empower each and every one of us to live a life that aligns, as you said at the beginning of the show, with our values, our passions, our aspirations, and creating a powerful and lasting impact in our professor, our personal and professional spheres of influence. Awesome, man. And you have something you'd like to give the listeners who would might want to go explore this. Cause here's the thing. I can't coach everybody. I've told you all this over and over and over again. This is why I have people like Victor on because there's so many modalities to coaching and there may be something that's really resonating with you that Victor's saying like, Hey, he seems like he'd be a really good guy for me to like, kind of get to know and explore whether he's the coach for me. I think those of you who are really struggling with this, like, how do I really align with God and my religious upbringing and everything? He's probably a amazing fit for you, but he's also the kind of guy that can help you tap into who you are in your own stuff. So really quickly, before we wrap up, you got a couple of freebies you can give him and then a way to connect with you. So why don't you talk about that real quick? Yeah, again, you were the inspiration at this, man. You uh, have been giving books away to people for years, and so you inspired me. So I'm going to one-up you, and I'm going to give um, two books, uh, of course, completely free. I'll ship them and mail them out. Uh, my coach and the founder of the Heroic Public Benefit Corporation, Brian Johnson, his book um, is releasing in November, so just shortly after uh, we air. Yeah. Uh, but it's called Arate, Activating Your Heroic Potential. Uh, and then also anybody, um, Unlimited, who wants to be able to test drive the Heroic app, uh, 30 days, no credit card needed, Rick. It's completely free for 30 days, no commitment. Nice. You're not going to have to cancel. Um, but you don't even have to. I mean, with the Heroic app, you can have hours and hours of self-coaching with it. Um, I think it's a $99 a year app. It'll be free for 30 days. They'll be able to find the link on my webpage. Um, and then I'm also going to give away three one-on-one -on -one introductory meetings with me. Nice. Um, so uh, victordiaz.co, V-I-C-T-O-R-D-I-A-Z.co. Um, and man, thank you for just being a light and a hero to the community. 
Right back at you, man. I knew when I, the first time I met you, there was a connection. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what it was, but, um, you okay, saw I'll me, say, sne- you saw me sneak in the back door on one of I your did, chats. I did. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow. Okay. Now certain things are happening. Plus I always thought you were kind of cute. So let's just go there too, you know, but, um, you're beautiful. It, Thank you, man. It's just, it's such a blessing to have someone like you being willing to like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, show some stuff. I'm going to give you some of the dirt and show you who I really was and things because I, to me, that's what this show is all about. We've all gone through the trenches and the thrash of life and we continue to thrive beyond. And that's what I hope we inspired today for anyone who's listening to see that there's possibilities and you can be loved and you are meant to be loved just as you are. So, and guess what? If you didn't get enough of Victor here, in just a few weeks, you're going to get some more of him. If you're one of my 40-plus gay men, gay talk listeners, we're going to continue the conversation in probably a slightly different realm of really exploring what he's discovered, like uncovering himself as a gay man over 40 and the trials and tribulations. It's not all a cakewalk. But let's just be real about that, right? It's a it's a whole nother ballgame. So, um, but thank you so much, brother, for being here and, and sharing yourself and being part of my world. I so, so truly appreciate you, man. Thank you, Rick. Love and blessings. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.